Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Okay, happy Friday to everybody out there. We've got your mailbag questions. We've been storing them up all week long. We're going to answer those in a minute just 100% correctly where this is important, your money back. But first, I uh, want to talk a little bit about the Bucks and free agency, which has been on everybody's mind. And, you know, we we discussed a lot about the players the Bucks want back, right? And starting with, in no particular order, but Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Levante David, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., Chase McLaughlin, even Tristan Wirfs, maybe doing an extension for him. Like all of that, as Jason Light said, if we accomplish it, they ought to have another boat parade. And he's not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but just that it's that big of an accomplishment. So um, those names have been out there. We've had discussions about them, talked about their value, what they could be, may not be, and, and that changes by the day as well. Okay, so all that said, you know who's not on that list, and they and they, they barely discussed in a, in the most dismissive of terms, and it's still shocking when you think about it. Devin White. Not one person has said, "Man, if we can just get Devin White back," because he's not on that list, because they don't want him back, and not just under the. $100 million that he alleged to have wanted to make before the season started, they don't want him back. And that's shocking, right? Because here's a guy in just five short years, okay, went from the number, and he's only, he's only, he just turned 26 a couple days ago. So he's a young guy. He's 26 years old. He's played five NFL seasons. He's barely 21 when he got in the league. But he took him five, fifth overall, which is an extremely high draft pick the highest since Jameis Winston. And he knocked it out of the park early on. I mean, he just did. You know, his second year, I think it was, they won a Super Bowl in no small part because of Devin White, because of the way he came in and made plays, especially in the postseason, you know, where he had all kinds of turnovers and the big fumble recovery and, you know, against New Orleans, the interception in the Super Bowl, like he – absolutely balled out interception to close out the game in new Orleans. In fact, during the playoffs, so he could run, he could hit, uh, it was get live 45. And then the next year he was okay, but was inconsistent. That was the thing that the word that came to mind all the time. Well, he's just not consistent, you know, and he had some bad games. He had the loaf against the Ravens and then, he had the really good game, you know, in Seattle uh, after, you know, learning some things about his family members that uh, that wasn't good. Um, and after that, and I said this at the time, like when they won the Super Bowl and they had the boat parade, he didn't drink or anything. He was there, but he got the Bucks to agree to letting him ride his horse around Raymond James Stadium with the Lombardi Trophy, which 
Sounds like a really cool moment. I'm sure it was, but it also might have been when they lost Devin White. But all that aside, like you think about what a big part he's been to this franchise. And, you know, I think last year sealed his fate. We can get into that. But here's the only things that were said about Devin White when we were at the Combine talking to Jason Light and Todd Bowles. This is Jason Light. You know, and the question was essentially, hey, you know, White lost his job to K.J. Britt, whatever, but, hey, is you have any interest in seeking an extension for him, right? And Jason Light says, no, you know, we're still trying to make some decision on some of those other players. But, you know, Devin did some really good things for us throughout his career. But we're still sorting out some things. <laughs> did That is the most dismissive sort of, you know, had a really good personality, but I'm not going to – I mean, did some really good things. This guy was your fifth overall pick, your Pro Bowl Mike linebacker. Like, he he helped you win a Super Bowl in no small way. Did some pretty good things. And then, of course, we know how it went out. I mean, he fell out of favor. You know, he had the whole situation in Green Bay where he had missed – he'd been missing a couple practices – Really, it started in Indianapolis when you know he couldn't make a tackle on Gardner Minshew at the two-yard line. Then he missed a game or so, and he had some foot injury. But he practiced, and then on Saturday, we find out in Green Bay, just hours before the game, yeah, he can't go. When I called down and I started texting people in the organization, it was it was set related to us as coach's decision. Wow. Coach's decision. You're not playing Devin White? And then after the game, it was clarified to – well, he just didn't feel like he could go. And the reality was he was being benched. He was going to be benched. They told him you're going to be a rotational player with K.J. Britt. He said, I don't rotate, and I don't I don't want to go. And they could have done a lot of – they had a lot of options on the table at that point. They Now, it's tricky. It's very tricky with a union. If a player says he's hurt and he was on the injury report, really difficult to prove otherwise, right? The union would have backed them, all of that stuff. But it's also very close to conduct detrimental. You're not fulfilling your contract if you're refusing to play. So somewhere in there, they let it slide. Bulls got up the next day and kind of alibied for him, which was the wrong thing, I think. But he absolutely lost the locker room at that point. In fact, I believe that that game in Green Bay – even though they had come back and beat Atlanta, you know, that last second drive and started that winning streak. But the game in Green Bay is the one where they went out as an offense and, and, and for that matter, as a defense and just throttled the Packers. And from what I understand, they were grateful that he wasn't on the field. Players, I don't think, trusted him at that point. K.J. Britt had a really good game. And they were like, yeah, we're rolling. You know, and it took him a while to get back on the field with any consistency, but he did, he did finish out the season. So then you go to Todd Bowles, who there was no bigger defender throughout the year to his detriment of Devin White than Todd Bowles. And Todd Bowles said, you know, he was asked, Hey, have you talked to Devin White? Like, 
Like, what's the deal? And he said, yeah, I texted him happy birthday about a week ago. He goes, Devin can still play. Devin's a good football player. We got a lot of guys up for free agency, and we can't pay everybody. We know the money has got to go somewhere, but we're still making those decisions. And by the start of the league year, we'll see where everything falls. That's word salad. That means we're not going to have any money for this guy, even if we were inclined to sign him. So nobody said they don't want him, per se, but they're telling you they don't want him. And it's again, it's not a surprise the way the year ended, but it's shocking, isn't it, a little bit, that a guy that played that big of a role? I don't know, Steve, I don't know if there's if he has value in the league. I mean, I think he'll get signed, but he made 11-7 last year, $11.7 million. I don't think he's going to come close to that this, this next year. Oh, I bet he does. Someone will pay him based on the talent alone. I mean, if he we can fix them, we can make them better. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that that size, that speed, that everything he's shown. Yeah, somebody will pay. You got to go back a few years to see it, but it's there. I don't think he'll get the hundred million that he wants for five years. But no, maybe a two-year deal, something like that. Yeah. You know, if it's a five-year deal, it ain't going to be a much guaranteed. But yeah, but actually, we got a good mailbag question on this, so we oh, can. Good. Ellis asked, roll. "Has there been a greater fall from grace than the Devin White story? You can't deny his dominance during the Super Bowl run, but he hasn't been the same since. What happened? The what happened part? I I, I don't think there's any one thing. I, I just think it was a lot, really, really fast for him." You know, this is a country boy. When I say country now, I mean, he's up there on the border of Arkansas and Louisiana. I went to Arkansas State, so I can tell you, like, there's some really small towns up there. And raised, I think, mostly a single mom, but his his brother died in a van accident coming back from a church retreat or something like that. Very tragic. But from what I understand, Devin White was a man-child, you know, by the time he was 12, you know. He was like dunking on people's heads. He was a basketball player for starters, and he got into football kind of later. Um, but he, he's a country boy. He rides horse. We know about the horses. Like they did this great NFL Films presentation. I think it won an award uh, called uh, I think it was called Wild Horses or something like that about De- the Devin White story. They did it after the Super Bowl about losing his brother and having to become a man, and you know all that stuff. His brother's favorite player was Rondé Barber, and then he gets drafted by the Bucks, right? Like there was all kinds of feels in that one, right, on draft day. And they replayed the whole thing. It was a remarkable story. I wrote it. It was actually based on a story that I wrote. And, you know, it, it was just damn good upbringing and, 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 and overachieving as he did at LSU. Like this was a guy. Here's the thing about Devin White. He's really smart. He's really smart. Like, you go to LSU and you're a star stud linebacker, right? And all you need is a 2.0, you know, to be eligible. That's it, 2.0, okay? And listen, we know that all these student athletes are sometimes more athlete than student, right? And But Devin, Devin didn't need more than a 2.0. You know what he got in GPA at LSU? 3.5. So what does that say to you? Because when they were doing the work on him and scouting him, they said, hey, 
this Devin White, the film he jumps off at the, uh, on you. You know, you, you can't wait to get him in your on your defense. But more than that, like he didn't need a three five, but he achieves. He's an achiever. He when he does something, he wants to do it very well. And school was something he did very well. He didn't have to, but it mattered to him. He wanted to be successful at whatever he attempted, and he was. And I just think that, you know, given his age, just barely 21 years old when he came to the league, all that success early, um, he became a really good football player. He wasn't a very good pro. And there's a difference, right? Like, football's not for everybody, man. It's just not, especially at this level. You got to be one tough SOB. You just do, especially in the Mike linebacker position. I mean, come on. Um and he is. I mean, he is rocked up. Like this dude, you know, can run, is thick, 235, like whatever it is. Um, but he's not a student of the game. Uh, he does a lot of things off instinct. I think Levante David was a big eraser for him. I think Levante covered up a lot of mistakes because that's what Levante was able to do with, you know, his knowledge of the game. And at the time when he was a younger player, his speed. Um, but I think it was too much too soon. And I don't know. Like the one thing I don't know, I, I think he loves football, but I think he also loves maybe more what football brings him, you know? And he has other interests, which is fine. But, he was the guy that was making noise about, hey, you know, I don't want to play in a fifth-year option. Give me $100 million right now. I've earned it, you know. And sometimes you can lose yourself in all that fame and accomplishment when you, it's too much too soon and all of that. And, you know, it's not show friends. It's show business, man. These guys, they're going to evaluate you. They're going to they're gonna pick at you. They're going to tell you what you don't do well. And you got to have thick skin about it. And when they didn't pay him, you know, they tried to explain it to him, like, hey, go out here and have the best year ever. You'll get it from somebody. If you don't get it from us, you'll get it from somebody else. And he said he put all that behind him. I'm not sure that he did. And he did legitimately get hurt, and I think that definitely affected his play. But the attitude wasn't great, you know. And and more than that, I think his teammates didn't trust him. I don't think they trusted him to prepare and be able to make the plays they needed him to make. And they were they were more welcoming of a KJ Britt who is not he's half the athlete. Seriously, he's half the athlete that Devin White is, but you know what he is? Reliable. He's going to be in that hole, he's going to be in that gap. He's going to put that guy on the ground. And and that's what they needed at the time down the stretch and he was able to provide it for him. And so yeah, it's hard to know what, like who fell faster. I mean, there was a time. Look, Quan Alexander was never Devin White, but he was a pretty good Mike linebacker, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth too. Bounced around, uh, went to a couple teams. I think 49ers were one, tore his knee up. Injuries was the biggest thing that ended his career. But, no, it's, it's hard to remember a player coming out and hitting it so hard and, and, and flashing so brightly and then just nothing. You know, just kind of slow, slow, uh, you know, spiraling career there. And I, I, I don't think he's done. I think he's going to play well for somebody. 
interesting to see how much money he makes. But yeah, I mean, what rhetoric coming? Well, all the we've heard nothing but glowing, glowing statements about every free agent and how they want them all back, and Baker this, and Mike Evans that, and you know, on and on and on with you know McLaughlin's and the, and yet when it comes to Devin White, it's just basically like you know. Yeah, well, you know, money's got to go somewhere, and uh, we're still making those. We'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. So he's going to be somebody's linebacker, and, and they, they better hope maybe he's not motivated and it's in the NFC South because you know guys like Dave Canales pretty familiar with the Devin White had to go against him in practice all the time, you know. And there's other coaches out there too uh, that have been you know had plays made on him, including New Orleans. Which has an old, an aging group of linebackers. They got salary cap problems for days. Um, it'll be interesting to see what his contract ultimately is. Uh, it will not be the hundred million dollar variety for sure. But somebody may pay him. You're right. He may make more than than eleven seven. I don't think so, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, what a, what a difference between Devin White and everybody else that they want back. It was kind of funny. All right, we got more mailbag questions coming up here in just a second. I want to remind you that for the past 14 years, which is longer than Devin White has played here, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems all throughout the state of Florida. They provide the most reliable equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut their energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is all covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. It is not a blanket insurance policy. I mean, in fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. And May Electric Solar's reputation and their history of workmanship, that's what's earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, Call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, we got some mailbag questions. Let's uh, keep it rolling. All right, AJ had tweeted. He says, what do you think is the possibility of signing Mike Evans, not signing Baker Mayfield, and waiting to see if a quarterback like Michael Penix Jr. is available with our selection late in the first round? Do you see the Bucks scheming for something like this? I don't think they're scheming for it. I, I think it'd be more likely that they would sign Baker and not Mike Evans. Um, and I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Like, in other words, they both want to play for each other and with each other, right? Like Mike had one of the best years of his career and, you know, 14 touchdowns, 1,255 yards, all of that. And certainly if you're Baker Mayfield and you want stability and, you know, you've lost your offensive coordinator, but you got a guy – and Liam Cohen that you've worked with in Cleveland. His offense is similar, but it, any quarterback is going to want a Mike Evans, right? Any quarterback is going to want weapons around him. And he's got Godwin for another year, and he's got Rashad White, and he's got Dot, and he's got guys that he's made plays with, right? And they're going to bring in more through the draft, and he probably upgrade the offensive line a little bit. So, yeah, I got to have I, – I know I'm not going to be successful. How successful – would Baker Mayfield had been last year if Mike Evans wasn't there to catch those 14 passes for touchdowns? You know, it, it just wouldn't have been good. And he had a lot of drops, and it wasn't a perfect year by any means, but every single season he's played in the NFL, he's put up 1,000 yards or more. 
and usually way more than a thousand. So, um, you definitely need to sign Mike Evans, but I don't think you, you go, we, you know, that you're going to end up with Mike, who's going to want to know who the quarterback is and not get Baker. It, 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 and you certainly know, cause now you know what would happen in that case? You would roll up the tents and you'd say, you know what? We're just going to see what we got in Trask. We're going to hold our breath, pray for the best. You know, the only thing we can say about him is he hasn't been out there to fail. So we don't know. Maybe he can pull this off. He did it at Florida. He did it in high school. Maybe sitting will work for him. Um, but it's a hell of a gamble. And it's not going to make Mike happy ultimately. Now, the thing about I'll say about Mike is, and somebody made this point, it's like, well, you know, definitely wants to play with Baker and with the quarterbacks. Hey, it doesn't matter who quarterbacks Mike Evans. Mike Evans has caught passes from a lot less quarterbacks or quarterbacks of lesser talent than the Baker Mayfield. I mean, we're talking about Josh McCown and Josh Freeman and Mike Glennon and Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. Like, he he got his no matter who was throwing it, and he will again. Um, so I'm not – if I'm – if I'm an Evans fan, I'm not worried about him dropping off if Baker isn't there, but I just don't think you get Evans without Baker, you know, because I think Evans is going to have to give a little bit on what he could get in the open market, but Jason Light let the cat out of the bag the other day. He goes, look, we're going to have to stretch for Mike. We're going to have to pay more than what, you know, we we really are prepared to pay, um, but the alternative is, okay, say you don't get Evans and you get Baker. Well, Chris Godwin's going back in the slot. He's not a number one, you know, not at this point in his career, not with the injuries. Trey Palmer is a promising young guy as a six-rounder. I don't like him as my number one. So now you're going to the free agency trying to find a a receiver anyway, and you're not going to get one of the the top-tier guys because you can't afford him. You take Mike over them. So it's it's just not going to be good for Baker. It's not going to be good for the offense. And – this just makes too much sense that they would get them both. If they get no one else, and I think they'll franchise Winfield if they don't get a long-term agreement with him, I think Baker and Evans come back together. Um, and they're just going to have to find a way to make that work. But, you know, could it be more likely Baker and not Evans than Evans and not Baker? I think Baker, that just, to me, that galvanizes his decision to stay in Tampa uh, he's going to have Mike for another two or three, maybe four years, and he knows that uh, he can win here. And that, from what I understand, in talking to his agent, um, Tom Mills, like, as much as anything, and he's going to get paid, but as much as anything, Baker wants to win, and that's why a team like New England doesn't really excite him, you know. And there's a lot of coaches up there that like Baker from Cleveland that were with the Browns when they took him, but at the end of the day. How much more money would you take to be in a rebuild like that, right? Where you're just going to get the crap knocked out of you for a couple of years and you're going to lose to New England, or I'm sorry, you're going to lose to Miami, you're going to lose to Buffalo, um, and you just don't know. You know, now you're replacing Tom Brady in a different city. You know, I think it was hard down here. Well, he spent 20 years up there. So I, I, don't, I don't see New England as a viable. I don't know about Kansas City, you know. I know they, they cut Valdez Scantling. Uh, does that mean that, well, they got room now for Mike Evans? I don't think so. Um, but we'll see. There will be teams, though. I mean, he's going to have options. And that's why I think Jason says he has to pay more. Um, 
But yeah, I I think more likely Baker and no Mike than Mike and no Baker. Greg asks, when can new deals be announced with the team's own free agents? Do they have to wait until the new league year officially starts? No, they actually don't. I mean, they they can only talk to their teams right now and reach agreements with them. Um, now the agreements themselves can't wouldn't likely be signed uh, until the start of the new league year, um, which is what next? It's the uh, the thirteenth, uh, yeah, thirteenth of March uh, at four p.m. So, but right now you're in an exclusive period where you can only legally and there's lots of tampering going on in Indianapolis as we speak but legally you can only talk to your own teams about a new contract um so they could say tomorrow hey we reached an agreement with Baker Mayfield and then the start of the new league year he signs it you're going to see a lot of deals announced 4 p.m. Schefter Palooza ESPN he's going to go for usually about a half hour straight without a breath Deals in Tampa, Baker Mayfield signs three years. You know, he's going to go right and he's going to go to the next one and the next one and the next one. You're going to be breathless watching him like Scott Hansen, you know, on NFL Network on a Sunday. Um, and because all those deals will be done well before four o'clock, you know, on the 13th. So, but in the meantime, yeah, you can only negotiate with your own players legally and you can reach agreements with all of them in terms of signing. I don't know that you can sign before the start of the new league year. That's because the contracts really begin then. Um, but but they're your guys. Like another team, and you've heard this at the Combine this week, it's like I even asked Raheem about Baker Mayfield. And basically it's like, hey, I can't comment on other team's players. You know why? Because their contracts don't expire until the start of the new league year, typically. you know. Now, there are some voidable things that uh, triggered you know, for Baker Mayfield and, and such. Uh, about a week ago, but at the end of the day, yeah, you you can you can reach all the agreements you want with your own players, and and or they'll be announced on uh, the start of, of signing day. All right, Dusty Rhodes tweeted, "When will the Bucks start talking about a new stadium?" First of all, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, is that what we're talking about? I think um, so. Yeah. Okay, so the way this question is written. When are they going to start talking about it? I would say when are they going to stop talking about it? It's, the question is, are they going to start talking about it to anyone else besides those that are in the the Bucks organization and or somebody that can help them? Because I assume he means publicly. He means publicly. I don't think you're going to hear anything from them. And again, I if I had something to report, I would have reported it already. But I don't think you're going to hear anything from them on a new stadium. Probably until or unless we know sort of the outcome with what's going on with the race. And I say that because that's not buttoned up in St. Pete yet, right? And it's I think it's important for the Bucks that it get done over there. I've always felt that way. I think the Bucks in Hillsborough County are always going to be I think I think the Bucks will be number one for them in Hillsborough, um, and always have been. But look, that that stadium shelf life, we're past it now. I mean, they're last; these things are lasting about twenty twenty five years. And even though they sunk one hundred sixty million dollars in it, let's not be naive um, that they are not 
you know, they're going to need a new ballpark. And the next one's probably going to need some, if not awnings, uh, being closed, be a glass stadium like U.S. Bank in Minnesota, something that will make make it more comfortable for their patrons, in my opinion. Um, now, the great news is they've done this once on Del Mabry, and they could do it the same way again. They can build a new stadium right adjacent to the old one where the parking lot is now because that's, you know, where, where the – where Raymond James is used to be the parking lot for the old sombrero or the big sombrero. And now, now they can just flip it um, and build them next door to each other. Sort of what they're going to proposing to do at the trap. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be different this time because I've read where you're not going to be able to link, you know, these sort of civic expenses and, and the way they got this stadium built and financed was it had a half set, half cent sales tax increase in Hillsborough County, but it also part of that sales tax increase went went to schools and police and fire, and I don't think you're able to link those up or going to be able to necessarily link those up again. So it's going to be a much harder needle to thread. But I would bet you a dollar to a donut that those discussions have been going on uh, about how they're going to do this, what are the political headwinds, who's going to finance it, how much money. That's had if you're Brian Ford, if you're the Glazers, you've had those meetings. You have to because you got a building, it's not falling apart, it's still very, you know, useful and I think a beautiful venue to watch games. Um, but what's the next generation going to look like? I think they'll be smaller. I don't think you'll have to sell 69,000 seats. I think there'll be a lot more club areas and amenities and things like that. Because it's going to turn into a gambling parlor, in my opinion. And you're going to be able to bet at your seat and all that stuff. Um, But more than that, you're talking about comfort. You're talking about getting out of the heat, which is oppressive and gets hotter every year, it seems. Um, So they have to find ways to do that. Some people have asked me, hey, could they build what sort of what Los Angeles has done? You know, which is sort of like a series of awnings, so to speak. And then a roof over top, it's kind of breezeways. My answer to that would be no, because Southern California is is much drier, much cooler year round. It's way too humid here. Um, you know, the heat is oppressive. Like I, I just don't think, and, and the expense of that stadium out there, nobody can afford. Um, much less build it here. But yeah, um, I think those conversations are happening, and I think you'll hear about them within the next three to five years. Less asked, Rick, what will haunt the Rays more this year? Lack of starting pitching depth or lack of catching depth? Um, I'm going to say starting pitching. Because I, I don't know, catching's hard to find, but you're looking for defense more than offense, so you can almost, they've, they've, they've had a lot of catchers. They have a lot of pitchers as well. And that's that might be the right answer. Might actually be pitching depth um, is easier to find because they played so many guys and had so many pitchers through here. And they're so good at identifying people. But I, I just feel like look at their look at their rotation the last couple of years, and then look at it now. You know, you don't have a Shane McClanahan. You don't have a Tyler Glass now. Um, you've got some young guys, right? Um, it's kind of a mixture, but I don't see that dominant arm 
in that starting rotation. Now the bullpen is so deep that you might be able to use utilize those guys in different ways as, as openers and whatnot. Have a bullpen day every fifth day. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, but to me, starting pitching is a concern with any team, but particularly this one. You know, they didn't go out and sign a big free agent in the offseason. Um, they did that a year ago, and he was pretty good. But I don't think they have the quality, especially from a starting staff. I think you're kind of – am I wrong about this, Steve? You're missing a power arm that's taking the ball every five days. Yeah, I mean, you don't have Glasnow or McClanahan. I mean, yeah, those were your they two just wear back and throw 100, you know? Yeah, those were your two power – one from the left, one from the right, and you have neither yeah. this year. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what Ryan Pepio does and, and you know, how Taj Bradley makes the next step this year and, you know, can Shane Boz contribute and, you know, eventually you hope to get Rasmussen and Springs back. But a lot of ifs, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. if – this happens. Yeah, there is. There is a lot of ifs with this. And, you know, but, you know, last year, who would have thought Zach Littell would be in your rotation? Well, that's and that's the beauty of the race. Like, if you just want to have blind faith in them, I got no problem with it because they have come up with guys that come from other organizations, given up for dead, all that. Even the guys you mentioned, a guy like Jeffrey Springs, he wasn't a starter, mm-hmm. per se. Um, unfortunately, he had arm injuries. There's got to be injuries, too. Um, to their to their starting staff usually, but I mean Zach Latell is your number three starter right now. I mean, yeah, and it, you know and he was he was in the bullpen, and you didn't even know who he was last year to start. For all that and he, he did, and he did yeah. some nice things. He's not. Mm-hmm. Are you building a, a pennant contender? Are you telling me you're going to win the World Series with with a guy like Zach Latell, who's going to be probably no worse than your number three or two? If you can keep your starting pitching staff fairly healthy, and there'll be injuries, but. You know what you can't have is guys out for three months at a time. Like, you know, guy oh, goes on, no. you know, goes out for three weeks. Okay, you know, yeah, season-ending stuff. You can't have right. that. But I, I think part of the Rays' hope this year is that if we can stay fairly healthy in the starting pitching staff, by the time we get to the back half of the year, you may be adding a Springs and Rasmussen. Yeah, that's and the maybe bonus, they're not a hundred percent, but that's like that's like a trade deadline ad. Yeah, it's huge. Except you didn't have to give up anything for them. Yeah, it's huge. And, you know. Whether they'll be a hundred percent or can they pitch like they were before they got hurt? You know, sometimes it takes another six months after that before they're fully back. But you know, adding those arms, assuming everything goes well, the back half of the season is only a positive. Yeah, and they're going to add a catcher, somebody that's going to release mm-hmm. some guy, and he's just not on the squad maybe yet. But um, they'll, I think they'll have it, to as long pitch. as Renee Pinto stays healthy. I think you can figure out the backup catcher part. Yeah. If Pinto goes down, that's when you start going, okay. Because the biggest part of the Rays pitching staff isn't so much defensively. It's actually handling the pitchers. Yeah. And they're so different. You know, all Mm -hmm. those guys are so varied and and have electric stuff. I don't know how they do it from from game to game. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where you have to trust you know, Eric Neander and, and Kevin Cash and, and them when they're saying Renee Pinto's our catcher is that he's able to handle the staff. Yeah. You know, manage the pitchers, you know, call the game. Every pitcher throws from a different arm angle, different this. You know, I mean, there's so much to pitching under the race system. You got to learn them all, too. Yeah, it's like right. you got to learn each guy. Mm-hmm. That if if Kevin Cash and, and them, are, they're, they're satisfied with him as your number one catcher, then I'll trust that and that. 
I, I have no idea what it. he'll give you offensively. Yeah. But quite frankly, anything offensively from a race catcher a is a bonus. bonus anyway. It's a bonus, yeah. And and if anybody should know what it requires catching is Kevin Cash. I mean, he's mm-hmm. Well, that's a perfect a catcher who didn't hit very well. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So he knows what it takes. As Terry Francona used to remind him every time he went to Cleveland. <laughs> every time they played. I know he's probably glad Tito's out of the game. I still can't believe that Kevin Cash is the longest tenured manager in baseball. That blows me away. And John Cooper is the longest tenured uh, coach in hockey. So. Yeah, and Todd Bolt. Well, no, Todd Bolt's new. Because he's he's uh, what the second most tenured in the division. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know what they call him? <laughs> NFC South champion, baby. Yeah. That's what they call him. Yeah, <laughs> back to back to back. So should be uh, interesting. We'll wrap up on this one. Kyle asks: Is Julian Breezewall interested in trading for a player like Noah Hannafin? If they do get him, how will they work on deals like his, Stamkos, and Hedman going forward? Do Stamkos and Hedman want another opportunity to get a cup with Tampa Bay? Yeah, well, the Stamkos thing is going to be the story of the offseason, right? I mean, you know, uh, they very much, in, we've kind of compared the two. They're not exactly the same, but a Mike Evans situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Stamkos has played well. He's definitely on the, you know, the back nine of his career. Um, but I don't... Stephen, am I wrong? I don't think they could take a player that they have long-term designs on because this is kind of a of a small window with Sergeyev being out, right? Well, the thing about Noah Hannafin, and he's a left-handed shot defenseman at Calgary, his contract's up at the end of this year. So you could trade for him and then let him walk as a free agent. And let him go, yeah. Like, but as far as should, should reduce the price some, unlike deals when they got Blake Coleman or Barkley Goodrow or Tanner Janot or Brendan Hagel where they yeah. had term to control them for more than the rest of that season. Those mm-hmm. cost more. Right. It should reduce the price some. So if the opportunity with Sergeyev's injury gives Julian Breezewall an opportunity, because that frees up $8.5 million of cap space. Mm-hmm. But Sergeyev's coming back on your payroll next year. So you can't, so you can't extend these guys then, right? You can't. Unless you lose other players. You may have to lose somebody else to do that. Yeah. You know, next year the cap's supposed to go up around three to four million. Yeah. Well, for instance, Brendan Hagel's getting a five million dollar raise next year. Yeah, you got yeah, exactly. He's going from one and a half to six and a half. Now, Stamkos currently makes eight and a half. Mm-hmm. His contract's coming off the books. What's he gonna resign for? If you if you want to resign him and he wants to stay here, what's he willing to take? Can you can you trade for Noah Hannafin and and sign him long term? Sure. But it also may mean you're going to lose somebody. You may want to. You may end up trading someone that's under contract. Mm-hmm. You know, would you? Would you trade a Eric Chernak? Would you trade a Anthony Sorelli? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they would. I'm just saying you know somebody that's, that's got the system you know, that's got some meat on their contract. You yeah, know, Hannah Finn currently is making four nine five. I think something like that. Around just under five million a year right now. Yeah. He's going to look yeah. for a bigger contract than that next year. And understand he's a left-handed shot defenseman where you already have Hedman and Sergachev on the left side. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you couldn't sign a third one. But then, you know, what's your right side? Like I said, do you need to, at that point, get rid of Chernak? Or is that signaling you may move on from Hedman in another year? That's very possible as well. You know, his contract will be coming up next year. Right. Right. So I, you know, I think is Julian Breeswell interested in adding a player like Noah Hannafin? Absolutely. Um, 
Julian Breezewall, if anything, has shown you he will add anybody he thinks could help this team. And it yeah, will pay almost any price for it. Short-term versus long-term. And mm-hmm. I think for right now, you're just trying to add the best player you can and then make those decisions down right. the road. Sometimes they get made for you. Yeah. Now, the, qu- the bigger question is, is, is he willing to take on a rental? If he traded for a guy like Hannafin, is he willing to let him walk? He did that with David Savard a couple years ago. Won mm-hmm. the second cup, and then Savard went on to free agency. Um, is he willing to do that? And then, two, does he have enough assets to get a player like Hannafin? Because Hannafin's going to be in demand. And the Lightning do not have a first round or a second. They don't round have any pick draft picks. I know that they yeah. don't have a first round pick next season. Yeah, um, the prospect about. pool isn't the best in the game. Mm-hmm. Although we have seen some young players come up and play pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, would a mm-hmm. Lilleberg interest Calgary, a, a, a young left handed shot defenseman, or a Max sure. Crozier, or Mitchell Chafee is playing pretty well and has stayed up here for a while. You know, are those prospects enticing enough? For for some a team like Calgary, I mean, you don't know what they think of them, but it has been good to see a lot of the Syracuse guys that have played this year because of injury. They've we come up well. and, and they've all shown well, mm-hmm. you know. And as as the Lightning aren't considered to have the best farm system, Syracuse is having a really good season again. And I think they're in second place in their division, and every guy that's come up here has shown well. Now it's a small sample size, but it helps, you know. When when teams can see. One of your prospects playing in the NHL and, and do pretty well, it doesn't hurt your chances to get something done. So is Julian Breeswell interested? Absolutely. Is is the price going to be something he can get to? And, and how does he want to handle it long term? That's that's something that pretty much only Julian Breeswell can answer. And the Lightning are known as one of the tightest lipped organizations you'll ever find. So good mm-hmm. luck figuring that out ahead of time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Thanks for your mailbag questions. You can always send those to us at any time. You can reach us uh, on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address. R. Stroud at TampaBay.com. The Tampa Bay Lightning will host the Montreal Habitants. The Canadiens will be in town. And we got March Madness kicking off. Uh, USF, talk about a big game. Uh, they have a chance to uh, uh, win, if they can win at Charlotte, or I guess win one more one more victory, right, Steve? We'll give them the outright AAC title. Yeah, they have three games remaining. Uh, they are have a three-game lead in the conference. So one mm-hmm. win. Or if all the teams that are right behind them, and there's like four of them all with like lose, four losses, yeah. all lose. But the, uh, USF gets a win Saturday. They'll clinch number. They'll clinch the regular season title of the AAC outright themselves. Right now, they've, wanna, they've clinched a share of it. Right now, I want to see them run the table, and, and they'll, they'll go into the tournament having or the conference tournament having won about what mm-hmm. sixteen in a row or something like that. Yeah, we're only I mean, what uh, two weekends away from. Uh, Picking Selection Sunday, which is on uh, St. Patrick's Day this year, March 17th. Mad Martin, Marchness coming up here pretty mm-hmm. soon, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're, should be we're, good. What, we're what, one week or is it one or two? I think 
I think it's one week away from uh, the time change, so we stay in light uh, later. Oh. oh, really? Is that what's going to happen? We yeah. spring forward. Is spring this, forward, this is yeah. Spring forward. Well, that's the one I hate. Because uh, yeah, you, you lose, lose an hour, hour, which stinks. Ugh, that's awful. But I do like that it's, you know, stays light later. Yeah. Yeah, next weekend, actually, is when we uh, lose the hour. Okay. But the good thing All for right. those of us with kids, it's spring break week, so the kids have a week to ease into losing that hour. Oh, is it spring break? How wonderful. I can't wait. I can wait. Uh yeah, so lots going on. Of course, uh, more free agency talk. Keep an eye on TampaBay.com, the Tampa Bay Times. It will give you the latest on all the free agency news with Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. And I can just tell you right now, something huge is going to happen on March 11th, which is the first negotiating period day. And how do I know this? Because it's my wife's birthday and something always takes away our plans on her birthday. And but it won't happen at like 2 p.m. It'll happen at like 9.30. Oh, no, no, no. Reservation at 7, 7.30, about 6.45. Yeah, maybe on the way over. Maybe in, maybe in the appetizer phase, somewhere in there. That's, you know, that's exactly. I'll never forget. And I always say, like, I knew the whole Jameis Winston situation. I was, you know, <laughs> talking to his lawyer very well. Uh, they had negotiated at what was a six-game suspension down to three. I had all mm-hmm. the details. Had the story written. Yep. And I said to my wife, this was three months, four months before we were going on vacation. I said, you know when this is going to happen? When we go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Nah, come on. Not only was it when we went to Hawaii, our airplane is rolling down the runway uh-huh. in San Francisco. I remember texting and, you. <laughs> yeah. And and if I don't file that baby before that bird gets up over the Pacific Ocean, we don't have any internet, right? So, you know, that was one of those where you, I was told, uh, hey, go with it. Uh, I think Schefter's going to go with it at 6. Well, Schefter went with it at about 5.53. So if he was told to go with it at 6, he didn't listen either. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that and that's just the business, man. That's, that's I remember the, texting you because it was, hey, we're going to have to re-record whatever we had pre yeah, so I think we had a Wait till I land. Yeah, exactly. Seven <laughs> years, hours I, from now. I remember when Bruce Arian stepped down. You were oh, visiting yeah. your son in Colorado, and I called you I, going, hey, do we want to tape something about Bruce? And you're like, what about Bruce? <laughs> yeah, well, what are you talking about? I was in Kansas on I-70. If anybody's traveled I-70, you know how boring that road is. And uh, it, it started to get windy and cold as it does in Kansas. And I, yeah, I looked down and went, what, what, what happened? What, what? And I'm making calls to, you know, Jason Light and they're trying to figure out like, what the hell. So, yeah, I took three days off in March. And one of those days, eh, Super Bowl winning head coach just decided yeah. to retire. You know, I think there was something with Brady on, on retired too. There was something. This that, is after Brady came back. Yeah, no, but there was yeah. something that day too that. Oh, the day that Brady first unretired, his first unretirement was the SEC basketball tournament. That's right. And somehow I covered it. But not only did I cover it, I had the championship game. I'm still trying to figure out from Matt Baker how that happened. I had the championship game and I got home and my kid's in the yard with a hockey stick and I'm like, yeah, I should probably play. No, you know what? Me and you had a podcast scheduled. For seven fifteen, yep, and at seven ten, Brady tweeted, "I'm back," or some such nonsense, and I went like what, and didn't go to bed for about you know till about two o'clock that morning. So, yeah, we've had our times, but yeah, guaranteed. Keep it at Tampa Bay Times, Tampa Bay Com, especially next week, March thirteenth. Book it; something big will happen. I don't know what yet, but I promise you it will. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you on Monday.